0: Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Hello again, Intelligentsia. John Jeffers here at the Jeffers Brief. I've been joined in the studio by my animals. Okay. Later, kitty cat. The Wonka Cat has disappeared, the Banjo Dog is still with me. Always a faithful companion. Welcome, Intelligentsia. Another show, another week. I would suggest strongly you might want to listen to um, Dave Kirshner on the Lightning Round. He's got some good information for you, especially for you preppers out there. And then, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, we have a new show that joined our lineup, called Shots Fired, from TacticalShit.com. That's their web address, not me. Me, Pristine. Never use a foul word, ever. And if you think so, shut your foul mouth! (laughs) In the meantime. You know, I don't know if you've been following... The Rittenhouse trial here in, up there in Wisconsin. Um, you know, the case, the state's case, is so weak it's pathetic. And I guess yesterday it got it, the the state was so bad that the judge reprimanded the prosecutor, not from the jury, can't taint the jury. But, nonetheless, an open court. And, basically, the prosecution's trying, in my opinion, to get a mistrial so they can get another bite at the apple because their case is absolutely dismal. The defense is absolutely stellar. But, with that said, proving self-defense is very difficult, especially when we have a loss of life. However, I'm getting to it. Hold on there. However, um, the judge can sit there and rule a mistrial with prejudice, which would mean that he, uh, Rittenhouse cannot be tried again on all these trumped up charges. All right. But the reason I read the Rittenhouse trial is last about, uh, what was it? Oh, shoot. Last week was it maybe? The guy who had his 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 right bicep vaporized by a five-five-six round from Kyle Rittenhouse's AR-15. You know, <laughs> there's pictures of the prosecution, and I and just hold when this guy's testified. One one of the prosecutors has his head bowed. His hand across his eyes, shaking his head. Oh, please, God, let him shut up. But, regardless, this is what one of the guys, the guy who had his uh, bicep vaporized, says. All right? And this is from the Washington Examiner. I put it out there because I knew I was going to forget about it for the show, but I wanted to bring it up. Because, (laughs) I got to tell you, Just because you have a concealed permit doesn't mean you're the sharpest knife in the drawer. Case and point and soon to be game set match in short order. Now as you're well aware of the trial is taking place in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and uh, what's the guy's name? What is his goofy name? Gage Grosskreutz says he he accidentally pointed his gun at Rittenhouse. Alright, here we go. So, a protester and volunteer medic wounded on the streets of Kenosha. Remember, this is from the Associated Press. And those fuckers, I'm not done with you yet. Don't think you're off the hook yet. By Kyle Rittenhouse, testified Monday that he was pointing his own gun at the rifle-toting Rittenhouse. Unintentionally, he said when the young man shot him. Hmm, how does one do that? Well, Gage Grosskreutz, the third and final man shot by Rittenhouse during a night of turbulent racial justice protest, in the summer of 2020, took the stand at Rittenhouse's murder trial and recounted, mind you, how he drew his own pistol after the bloodshed started. Quote, I thought the defendant was an active shooter, the 27-year-old Grosskreutz said. Asked what was going through his mind as he got closer to the 17-year-old Rittenhouse. He said, quote, that I was going to die. Rittenhouse shot Grosskreutz in the arm, vaporizing much of his bicep, as the witness put it. Now... Remember, this article is written by the Associated Press. So Redhouse, now 18, is on trial of charges of killing two men and wounding gross crews. The one-time police youth cadet from Antioch, Illinois, had gone to Kenosha with an, AR, an AR-style semi-automatic rifle and a medical kit, and what he said was an effort to safeguard property from the violent demonstrations that broke out on the shooting of Jacob Blake a black man by a white Kenosha police officer. And if you remember that, the optics of that are just terrible. Just terrible, the optics. All right. So prosecutors have portrayed Rittenhouse as an instigator of the bloodshed. His lawyers have argued that he acted in self-defense. Now, he could get life in prison if convicted of the most serious charges against him. Under questioning from the prosecution, Grosskreutz said he had his hands raised as he closed in on Rittenhouse and didn't intend to shoot the young man. Prosecutor Thomas Bigner asked Grosskreutz why he didn't shoot first. Quote, that's not the kind of person I am. That's not what I was out there, he said. It's not who I am and definitely not somebody I would want to become. End quote. But during cross-examination, Rittenhouse defense attorney Corey Cherifizi, and by the way, he's done an excellent job, asked, it wasn't until you pointed your gun at him and, and, let me start again. The question was, it wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him, that he fired, right? Correct, Grosskreutz replied. The defense also presented a photo showing Grosskreutz pointing the gun at Rittenhouse, who was on the ground with his rifle pointed up at Grosskreutz. Grosskreutz, under follow-up question from the prosecutor, said he did not intend to point his weapon at Rittenhouse. Now, Wisconsin's self-defense law allows someone to use deadly force only if necessary to prevent imminent death or great bodily harm. The jury must decide whether Rittenhouse believed he was in such peril and whether that belief was reasonable under the circumstances. Well, let me think here. Man pointing gun at me, whether it's accidental or not, is immaterial. You, a reasonable man, or a woman as the case may be, could make the, an inference that if someone's pointing a gun at me, they want to kill me. Whether, you, whether the gun was pointed at you by accident, or not. Now, Grosskreutz said he had gone to protest in Kenosha to serve as a medic, wearing a hat that said paramedic and carrying medical supplies in addition to a loaded pistol. He said his permit to carry a concealed weapon had expired, and he did not have a valid one that night. He says, I believe in the Second Amendment. I am for people's right to carry and bear arms, he said, explaining why he was armed. And that night was no different than any other day. It's keys, phone, wallet, gun. He said he went into action after seeing Rittenhouse kill a man just a few feet away, the second person that Rittenhouse fairly shot that night. Now, while Grosskreutz said he never verbally threatened Rittenhouse, Cherafizi, the defense attorney, said that people don't have to use words to threaten others. They can do so by their actions, like running after them down the street with a loaded firearm, Cherifisi said. On cross-examination, Cherifisi sought to portray Grosskreutz as dishonest in his description of the moments right before he was shot, with Cherifisi asserting that Grosskreutz was chasing Rittenhouse with his gun out. Grosskreutz denied he was chasing Rittenhouse. Cherifisi also said Grosskreutz lied when he initially told multiple police officers that he dropped his weapon. In addition, Chirafisi pointed to Grosskreutz's lawsuit against the city of Kenosha, in which he alleges police enabled the violence by allowing an armed militia to have run of the streets during the demonstration. If, quote, if Mr. Rittenhouse is convicted, your chance of getting 10 million bucks is better, right? Chirafisi said. Chirafisi also asked Grosskreutz if he and his former roommate that his only regret was, quote, not killing the kid. And hesitating to pull the gun before emptying the entire mag into him, Grosskreutz denied saying that. No, you know what? I remember that quote coming out. Anyways, it was in the media. So Grosskreutz, who was trained as a paramedic, testified that he volunteered as a medic at the protest in Milwaukee in the days after George Floyd died under the knee of Minneapolis police officer in May 2020. Grosskreutz said he attended around 75 protests before the night he was shot offering to help anyone needing medical attention. He said he provided medical assistance to about 10 other people that night in Kenosha. Now, while Rittenhouse is white, and as were those he shot, the case has stirred racially fraught debate over vigilantism, the right to bear arms and the, rest that, and the unrest that erupted around the US that summer over police violence against black people. Last week, now remember, this is the AP, the Associated Press. So last week, witness at the trial testified that the first man shot and killed, Joseph Rosenbaum, 36, was, quote, hyper-aggressive, end quote, and acting belligerently that night, and threatened to kill Rittenhouse at one point. One witness said Rosenbaum was gunned down after he chased Rittenhouse and lunged for the young man's rifle. Rosenbaum's killing set in motion the bloodshed that followed moments later. Rittenhouse killed Anthony Huber, a 26-year-old protester seen on uh, bystander video, hitting Rittenhouse with a skateboard. Rittenhouse then wounded Grosskreutz. Grosskreutz has a tattoo on the arm when he was shot. It is the common medical image of the snake wrapped around the staff at the top of the banner it says, Do No Harm, and at the banner, at the bottom, a banner reading, Do No Harm. When the prosecutor played the graphic video of Cross Cruz's badly wounded arm, a few of the jurors seemed to grimace and look away. Now, Gross Cruz testified that he has difficulty lifting heavy heavy objects with his right arm and has a loss of feeling extending from his bicep or what's left of it to his thumb. Now, the original author was, of course, the Associated Press. How does one accidentally point a gun at someone and then act surprised? When they get shot <laughs> why would you chase after a 17 year old with an AR15 with your little with your pistol? Oh well, I thought he was an active shooter. Yes, he was an active shooter because he was defending his own life. You see, now it was Rosenbaum apparently trying to grab the young man's weapon but threatened to kill him. But then you also have um, what's, what's the other what's the other clown's name? Huber, is that right? Huber. Yes, Anthony Huber, not he didn't just hit Rittenhouse with the skateboard, he hit him across the back of his skull and neck with the skateboard. Thus, the skateboard has become a weapon. And he 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 hit him with the skateboard with the intent of doing great bodily harm and or death. Unfortunately for Mr. Huber, Mr. Rittenhouse said, "Hold on to that skateboard. I got something for you." Of course, I'm making that up. Well, what was said, of course, not what happened. However, so the lesson here is: if you are going to chase a person with a a, a uh, AR-15 with your pistol and you point it at them, do not be surprised. When you get shot in return. The only redeeming value about Crow Scrooge is that he does believe in the Second Amendment. So, anyway, so let's get to the Associated Press. Some time ago, last summer, the Associated Press put out a. Because news organizations subscribe to the Associated Press Newswire, so they get, you know whatever you know news stories coming across their wire their teletype whatever and they can choose which news stories to run with or not run with whatever the associate press put out a memo to all their subscribers basically saying say that you cannot call them rioters you have to call them peaceful protesters and a whole bunch of other things which would explain why when you hear all these stories. Like, for example, whenever they talk about the January 6th insurrection, it's always an insurrection. After that, they can refer to it as, well, a riot or protest, whatever. That's right. Or they talk about the 2020 election. And, of course, they all lead off by saying, well, Donald Trump, did not prove his allegations about election fraud. Well, of course not, because the entire federal judiciary are cowards. They didn't want to take up the case. The fact is, the reason it's not proven is because the president never had the opportunity to present his case, which, by the way, brings me to another point. My friends, if the election was as legitimate as could be and you were part of the Democratic Party and you owned the voting machines Dominion voting machines and you put out publicly saying this election is legitimate there was no cheating or anything else it would seem to me the best way to silence your critics is to stop or do not interfere with the court cases that have been filed. If you're if you're so convinced that the election was uh, legitimate and there was no cheating, then let it play out in court. You've got nothing to fear, right? What have you got to fear if it was legitimate? But no, they fought tooth and nail. We can't have this in court. Can't have this in court. So we threatened attorneys and any other law firms that try to represent the president's interest. If it was as as clean and legitimate as they would have you believe, they would have no problem by letting the cases go to court. Let the election stand on its own merit. Something to think about. But as for the uh, Associated Press, there, you know, that's why you hear so many news organizations literally verbatim repeat the same story word for word. Because if they don't, then they get their subscription cut off to the Associated Press, which they paid for. and Then what are they going to do? It's not like they can go to Reuters all the time. They could. UPI is a, is is a shadow of what it once was. So, anytime, anyways. Ah yes, my friends, inflation is at six point two percent as of yesterday. If you got a pay raise, say at the beginning of the year of two to three percent, or any time since then, so you get a pay raise of two to three percent, you think, yeah, that's pretty good. That's not bad. That's not bad. I can live with that, but. Inflation is at 6.2%. It just wiped out your pay raise and you're still behind. So let's talk about hyperinflation. Michael Snyder did a great job on this. Uh, And you need to know, it. by the way, for those of you who have not, you remember a month and a half ago, I talked to you about the shortages that were occurring. We're starting to see them. And I told you then, that you will start to see the shortages appearing about mid-November. It's now Veterans Day, November 11th 2021. If you have not noticed, there are shortages going on. They're rationing already. If you have not done so, you need to get your stock now. It's going to be a long winter, and I don't believe they're going to get the supply chain stringed around anytime the next month or so. So if you have not and you do not, you have only yourself to blame. I warned you. I told you about this. I don't care where you are in the world. You're probably having the same issue. Well, it's true. Which, by the way, I want to. uh, uh, Oh, yeah, here in the United States. uh, I'm going to give you the top five states that have been listening, have uh, been listening here to Conta Network. In the United States, uh, (laughs) the top five states, Florida, it is in descending order, Florida, Georgia, Wyoming. Wyoming, welcome to Contra Radio Network. New Mexico, welcome. Texas, which is usually in the first, in the top two, is now in the uh, top five, number five there at the list. Do I, should I? Yeah. Idaho, welcome to Contra Radio Network. California, you poor bastards, you'll never be free of the Democrats. Of course, Indiana, Ohio, Nebraska. Welcome to Contra Radio Network. Pennsylvania, New York, North Dakota's back in the fold. Welcome back, North Dakota. Washington State, Michigan, Mississippi, North Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, Wisconsin, Colorado, Kansas, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, welcome. Kansas, welcome. Colorado, welcome to Contra Radio Network. Missouri, South Carolina. Utah, welcome to Contra Radio Network. West Virginia, welcome to Contra Radio Network. Oregon, welcome to Contra Radio Network. Kentucky, welcome. Arizona, Connecticut, the warlord. You know who you are. Welcome back, my friend. Louisiana, welcome. Maine, welcome. Minnesota, you poor bastards. Boy, you guys got issues up there. I feel sorry for you there, too. Montana, welcome. Oklahoma, welcome. South Dakota, welcome. Well, and that's just for this week. In Canada, listeners in the Yukon, outstanding. Welcome to Contra Network. Glad to have you back. Ontario, you got a few listeners there. Yukon, nice job. In the meantime, around the planet, countries in descending order. Of course, the United States, Canada, the Czech Republic. Listeners of the Czech Republic, welcome to Contra Radio Network. Italy's back in. The Netherlands, nice job, guys. Denmark, Spain, welcome to Contra Radio Network. Argentina, welcome, Contra Radio Network. The UK, Mexico. Here's a new one, the Seychelles. Welcome to Contra Radio Network. Glad you're here, glad you're listening. There. Now let's talk about hyperinflation. Our leaders, alleged leaders, the people in the government who believe that you work for them. Now they'll come home and tell you, well, yeah, we work for you. Then start acting like it have been creating, borrowing, and spending dollars at a pace that is far beyond anything we have ever seen before in U.S. history. And yet they would have us to believe that the terrible inflation they have created is just temporary. Now, they think that you are really stupid or or really gullible, or both, because anyone with a shred of common sense can see this is going to end badly. We've talked about this for years. And many others have been sounding the alarm for a very long time, but at this point, you don't have to be any sort of an expert to see what is happening. In fact, get this, my friends, Twitter co-founder Jack, I'm a homeless-looking fuck, Dorsey, just posted a tweet on his official account warning that hyperinflation is coming. You know what, Jack? Screw you! You backed the Democrats, you gave them money, You gave him cover. Screw you. I hope you lose all your money, you son of a bitch. Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey weighed in on escalating inflammation in the U.S., saying that things are going to get considerably worse. Hyperinflation is going to change everything, Dorsey tweeted Friday night, and it's happening. I didn't think I would ever utter these words, but Jack Dorsey is right. Our leaders are systemically destroying the reserve currency of the planet, and nothing will ever be the same again after this. Needless to say, Dorsey's tweet caused quite an uproar, and he later clarified what he meant by stating, it will happen in the US soon. Now listen carefully. Now he's responding to user comments Dorsey added Friday that he sees the inflation problem escalating around the globe. Quote, it will happen in the U.S. soon and so the world, he tweeted. Now, what would cause Dorsey to make statements like these? Well, some apologists for the establishment are suggesting that Dorsey has gone off the deep end, but the truth is that the cold, hard numbers do not lie. For example, Uh, The Federal Reserve has put out a chart, and it shows that the M2 has been rising at an exponential rate. The people that are criticizing this recklessness are not the ones that are crazy. The ones that are crazy are those that are doing this to the rest of us. Increasing the money supply at an exponential rate was inevitably going to cause very painful inflation, and that is precisely what we are witnessing all across the country right now. What they're talking about, my friends, They keep printing money. The more dollar bills you put out there, the less they're worth because there's so many of them. For example, like Bitcoin only has X amount of Bitcoins that they're going to put out. Too many of them, you know what that means? I'm not taking this call. They'll have to wait. What this means is that you put too many out of them out there then they're not worth as much as, say, you put... You put 10 out there. They're not worth, no. They're not worth five. Okay, you see what I'm saying? So you probably know as prices going up at the supermarket and the drugstore. And fortunately, more sticker shock could be around the corner. What's happening? Companies that make consumer goods are announcing price increases left and right, faced with persistent higher costs. And they don't expect the situation to moderate anytime soon. But those in charge continue to insist that everything is gonna be just fine. Look at this hand, not this hand. Alright, you follow me? In fact, even though Janet Yellen, she's useless, admits that inflation will remain high into the next year. She fully expects things to return turn to normal eventually. Yeah, right, after we all die. Now I don't think we're about to lose control of inflation, Yellen said. On a 12-month basis, the inflation rate will remain high into next year because of what's already happened, but I expect improvement by the middle to the end of next year. Second half of next year, she added. Do you believe her? I don't. Our leaders continue to flood the system with more new money, and that is going to continue to create more inflation. We have way too many dollars chasing way too few goods and services, and that is creating shortages and forcing prices to absurd heights. During a recent interview with Fox Business, billionaire supermarket owner uh, John Katsimatidis Katsimatidis made this stunning prediction about food prices. He says, I see over 10% price increase in the next 60 days. 10% in 60 days. I think that qualifies as hyperinflation, don't you? Now over at CNBC, billionaire Paul Tudor Jones boldly declared that inflation is now the single, single biggest threat to our society. You see, Paul Tudor Jones is a billionaire hedge fund manager, and he believes inflation is here to stay, posing a major threat to the U.S. markets and the economy. I think, to me, the number one issue facing Main Street investors is inflation. And it's pretty clear to me that inflation is not transitory, Jones said, Wednesday on CNBC's Squawk Box. It's probably the single biggest threat to certainly fin- certainly financial markets and I think to society just in general. These are not just random people from off the street we are talking about. These are billionaires that have a very deep understanding of our financial system. When CNBC's Jim Cramer was asked about inflation, he referenced what Paul T- Tudor Jones had said. And he also admitted that it is much worse than we thought. He says, yeah, I mean, look, I think Paul Tudor Jones, is, is, is always, is right about inflation. And much, it's much worse than we thought, he said. I keep hoping that the capacity will come on and make it so that it's not as bad, but it just can't seem to come on as fast enough. All of these experts are starting to sound like the economic collapse blog. Needless to say, that is a sign that we are very late in the game, my friends. If our leaders wanted to get inflation under control, they would stop flooding the system with the enormous mountains of new money. But as Egon Vagreas has pointed out, they can't do that because it would crash the economy. The central bankers can either squash the chronic inflation by tapering and at some, at some time create a liquidity squeeze that will totally kill an economy and constantly have stimulus, or they can continue to print unlimited amounts of worthless fiat money, whether it is paper or digital dollars. If the central banks starve the economy of liquidity or flood it, the result will be disastrous. Whether the financial system dies from an implosion or an explosion is really irrelevant. Both will lead to total misery. Without a doubt, total misery is definitely coming. Eventually, prices will be so high that the big corporations will start putting iron guards on food trucks. Throughout human history, every time a nation has started to create money at an exponential rate, it has always ended in tragedy. Now it's our turn, and a day of reckoning is fast approaching. There you have it, my friends. That's what I've got to say right now. Prep today, live tomorrow. I'm John Jeffers here on the Jeffers Breeze. Thanks for listening. We'll get back to you next week. Maybe sooner if something really, really interesting breaks. But until then, keep prepping, my friends. Stay alert. Stay vigilant. See you next week. Thanks for listening.